Well, my wife this last week was uh, letting me know that uh, on her phone, she gets you know the updates each week uh, to let her know how much social media she's been on. And this last week, uh, she was up 400% from where she normally is on social media. And I imagine that's probably true uh, for many of you. Some of you, it might be even a little bit higher. And it's been, it's been kind of an emotional roller coaster for me because I don't know about you, but when I go online and I'm reading all these things and I'm seeing videos, you know, I, I can have this emotional, like there's these deep stories and emotional connection with people who are hurting. And then the very next thing you see is something creative and funny that people are doing. And so it's just, it's just this emotional roller coaster. And then, and then there's these people who are, who are faking things. Uh, you know, they're selling patches for the COVID uh, disease and they're asking people to purchase those online and there's all this different fake information and people even pretending to be somebody that they're not. And so you've probably experienced some of that too. And I, I don't know if you've ever, if you know the phrase catfishing, but it, it's a thing where someone pretends to be something that they're not. Uh, and, and oftentimes you'll see this in social media where someone will be talking uh, or thinking they're having a relationship and it's a relationship with someone that they think looks like this. It might be this, this beautiful woman that they think they're talking to and building this relationship with. But really behind the scenes, it's probably something more like, like this. And, and if it is, you're probably quite disappointed in that, right? I mean, who wouldn't be disappointed to find out that the person that you're trying to talk to and build a relationship with isn't exactly the person that you thought you were doing that? And who hasn't been disappointed by this, right? There, there's no one that's ever gone on social media, you start this relationship, and you know they've described themselves as being a toothless, unemployed individual. And then later on, you find out that they're even better than they were before, right? You, you start off with someone you think you're talking to like this and then come to find out they're actually this, this nice pilot, right? And that never happens, right? Not, not that I know of, that never happens to people where they, they are more excited about what they find out in reality. We're always more disappointed and what we find out, that people put themselves out there on social media and you think your expectations, your perceptions of them are way different than reality. I think sometimes we do this with God. We, we put expectations, ideas, images of who we think God is. I'll give you an example. If, if I say uh, Jesus, right? You picture in your mind this, this image of who you think Jesus is. And, and at least in our culture, we oftentimes have this picture, right, of Jesus. He's a white American uh, hipster, right, who, who is a millennial, right? That, that's kind of the idea that we have about who Jesus is. And if you think, no, that's not true, I'm not that shallow, you know, that's not really the image I have, I, I just want to show you something real quick. You know, we do have this image that Jesus is something that, that looks a lot like us, at least here in North America. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in reality, if, if I talk to my brothers and sisters around the world, they probably have a different view of who Jesus is. We all have this idea, this expectation of who Jesus is. And it's not necessarily a bad thing that we have these expectations, but oftentimes, what we discover is that our expectations of who Jesus is, isn't, they're not met. 
our perception of who Jesus is, it doesn't match up with our experience. So some, there are some people who think that Jesus is, is a, a protector, right? He's our friend. He even teaches us to pray that, uh, that we should be saved from evil, right? Deliver us from evil. That's how he taught us to pray. But then we're in an accident or we wind up catching a disease that can't be cured. We experience a tragic loss in our life and we're hurt. And we begin to question, is this Jesus that we thought existed, is he actually the person that we thought he was? And we become hurt by our expectations. We might picture Jesus as a fixer of problems, right? When things aren't going well, we expect that he's going to fix things for us. He's going to fix our relationships. He's going to fix our situation. He's going to fix another person that is causing the problem. But when things don't change, when the problem doesn't go away, we begin to question and we begin to wonder if Jesus isn't who we thought he was and we become very disappointed we might think that Jesus uh, is going to bless us, right, with, with prosperity. That we even have churches and pastors around the world that, that teach this idea that if you follow Jesus, everything in your life is going to be so much better. After all, God is the great provider. But then in our relationship, we, we experience loss there too. Our, our employment is terminated. Our house floods. Our car breaks down. And we begin to question and wonder again, is this Jesus who we thought he was? And oftentimes we can become angry, hurt, disappointed, angry. These are feelings that we have. These are things that we go through even as we follow Jesus. This image of who we thought he was in our faith. Now, here's what I'd like you to do. In the comment section, whatever platform you're on this morning, uh, maybe just type in those things that you're going through right now. It doesn't have to be reflected on who Jesus is at this point, but just what are those things in your life where you're experiencing hurt and anger and disappointment? Don't put anybody's names down, but just like what are those things that you're going through that you're wrestling with right now? Because that's the reality that you're in. The question is, is how does that match up with your faith in who Jesus is? Is he who you think he is? And let me just say, while you're typing that in, what if I told you that in fact you might not be wrong? What if Jesus isn't who you think he is? What if Jesus isn't who you think he is? Now, now that's not something new. That's something that people for centuries, even in Jesus' time, that they wrestled with. Today is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday after Passover. It commemorates the week in the life of Jesus before his death and then his resurrection. And the reason we call it Palm Sunday is not because uh, it's called that in the scriptures. We call it Palm Sunday because it is the Sunday that he rode into Jerusalem. And while he was coming into Jerusalem, people were taking palm branches and they were waving them. And we'll get to it in the text in just a moment. But they were waving these palm branches and shouting before him. And so we call it Palm Sunday. It's the week leading up to, or the Sunday leading up to Passover. Passover was the greatest celebration. It was the greatest feast that Israel had during the year. They had several different feasts, but it was the greatest festival. It was a week-long celebration of God's deliverance out of 
Egypt. That at one point in time, all the people of Israel, they, they were captive, they were in bondage. They were prisoners in Egypt and God sent miracles. He sent Moses to lead the people and through God's mighty hand, he delivered them out of Egypt and into a promised land. He took them out of that foreign rule. What's fascinating is, is that as they're celebrating this Passover during the time of Jesus, they are celebrating God's deliverance from foreign rule while they themselves sit under foreign rule in the Roman government. And this was a big deal. This is a big deal at Passover. Josephus, uh, who's a Jewish historian who wrote during the first century, tells us that just 30 some years after Jesus entered into Jerusalem on this date, just some 30 years later, there was 2,700,000 people who gathered for the Passover in Jerusalem. Which means that when Jesus came into town on this day, there was crowds of people everywhere. And a little background before we get into John chapter 12. Just before Jesus entered in Jerusalem, he, he had performed one of his greatest miracles. He had been visiting his friends in Bethany, in the village of Bethany, just outside of the city of Jerusalem, where his friend Lazarus had passed away. It had been days since he had passed away. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. So there's some amazing stories that are going around and all these people are gathered. And in John chapter 12, in all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the gospels tell us about this entry into Jerusalem. We call it sometimes the triumphal entry on this Palm Sunday. But in John chapter 12, he describes the events this way. He says, the next day, that is after Jesus was in Bethany, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, that is Passover, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took palm branches. They went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Now, these palm branches are kind of unique. You're like, why would you grab palm branches? Like, no, no one today thinks, I'm just going to go out and grab some leaves and wave them at people. But for Israel, the palm branches had more significance. Over the years, they had become a part of their celebration, and it became almost a, it became a national symbol. It was a way of identifying yourself as an Israelite. So when you saw palm branches or they were waving palm branches, it was a way of saying, man, we are God's people. We're from Israel. We're, we're his nation. And then they shouted Hosanna, which literally means give salvation now. It's a quote from Psalm 118. Actually, all of this passage here is a quote from an Old Testament passage in Psalm 118. In Psalm 118, the psalmist has the people sing the words, Hosanna, give salvation now. It was this expectation that God was going to bring his salvation, that one day they would be delivered again out of bondage and they would be brought into a time of peace and promise that God had for them. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and blessed is the king of Israel are the phrases out of that psalm and they became a blessing to anyone who was entering into Jerusalem during a festival. It was kind of a blessing that, oh man, there's something awesome that's going on here and God is blessing you. But it also had a secondary prophetic purpose to it. These were the words 
that they believed would be sung that one day God would send a king, the Messiah, the the anointed one, the one that God had chosen, that one day he was going to enter into Jerusalem and he was gonna bring true peace and deliver the people finally, ultimately deliver them. And so on this day, this Jesus, this charismatic teacher, this miracle worker, this person who had stirred up so much in all of Israel comes into town riding into Jerusalem and the people are responding in this way because they have this idea, this picture, this image of who they think Jesus is. Oh, he might be the one. We think he's the one that God has prepared. They go on, or John goes on in the passage in verse 14, he says that Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. John quotes another passage from the Old Testament. This is a passage found in Zechariah 9.9. And in Zechariah 9.9, it is a prophetic passage speaking of the Messiah that is one day going to come into Jerusalem. One day bring that deliverance. And so John here quotes uh, verse nine of that chapter, that there he will come in on a donkey. And the daughter Zion is a phrase that's used uh, to describe Israel, the people of Israel. So this Jesus coming into town is beginning to fulfill this promise. But in Zechariah chapter nine, verse 10, it says this. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free you, your prisoners, from the waterless pit. The very passage of scripture that John is quoting here for us has this idea and this image of what the people were expecting of this Messiah that was going to come in during this time to bring deliverance. And he describes this person this way. He describes them as someone who is going to bring peace to the nations. That he is gonna rule from Israel out to the world. He's gonna bring peace to the people there of Israel. He's gonna rule from Israel. And because of God's blood covenant with them, the sacrificial system that he had put in place, he was gonna free people from their bondage. For them, the bondage of being prisoners in the Roman government. You know, these are the expectations that people had of Jesus. These are the expectations that they were singing about that day as they saw him coming into Jerusalem. But Jesus isn't who you think he is. Jesus isn't who you think he is. It wasn't long before the people began to experience their disappointment, their frustration, their anger. You see, first, Jesus comes in on a donkey. And for a king that's coming in who's bringing victory, he would normally ride in on a horse. He would ride in with, with warriors. Jesus comes in humbly. And in a way, Jesus is already letting them know that it's not their expectations he's trying to meet, but the expectations of his heavenly father. And then secondly, 
We're told in the, in the gospels that right after Jesus comes in to Jerusalem, he goes straight away to the temple and he turns over the tables of the collectors who are there, who are cheating people out of their sacrifices. And he overturns tables. He literally upsets the cart. And people began to start questioning. Conversations start being had. Is, is, this, is this really the one that we thought was going to come? Is this Jesus really who we think he is? And they began to question. They began to wonder. And with, within under a week, we're told in scripture that the very same people who stood in the streets waving palm branches, right? As a national symbol, make Israel great, right? These very same people are crying out, crucify him, crucify him. Their disappointment, their hurt, their frustration in having their expectations unmet brings them to a place where they want to ignore, they want to forget, they want to get rid of this Jesus. I wonder how many times we do the same thing. We find ourselves frustrated, disappointed, upset that Jesus doesn't meet our expectations. He's not who we thought he was. And so our first thing that we want to do is just ignore our faith, ignore him think that it's ridiculous to follow this idea of Christianity and we want to just kind of get rid of that when actually maybe something else is happening behind the scenes. And this is what I love about how John takes this passage. He says in verse 16, at first his disciples did not understand all this. I can imagine. This isn't what they wanted as a matter of fact, Judas, one of Jesus' 12 that he had appointed, wound up betraying him, selling him to the, to the temple priests. Maybe because he had expectations and thoughts that maybe Jesus was going to use that as a means to taking over and showing his power. But it was only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him? Only after Jesus' death and resurrection did the disciples, did those who were following Jesus begin to recognize, wait, it wasn't Jesus that was off. It was my expectations that were off. You see, Jesus had come to bring peace, but it was peace to the hearts of every person who would trust him with their soul, with their eternity. Jesus had come to bring freedom to prisoners. That is, those who are in prison to their own sin and selfishness. Jesus had come to bring freedom to, the, to others. Uh, Jesus had come to bring his global rule, his rule over every believer around the world, that would make up the kingdom of God. Every person who trusted Jesus, following him and bringing justice to our world. Jesus had come to restore or to keep God's covenant in blood, but it wasn't the blood of a sacrificial system. It was his own blood shed on the cross for you and I. It was only after, only after Jesus' death and resurrection did the disciples and others begin to see that Jesus wasn't who they expected? No, no, he was something more. Jesus isn't who you think he is. Man, he's so much more. He's so much more. 
when we find ourselves disappointed and hurt and angry that Jesus didn't meet our expectations, when, when we experience what we are right now with this COVID-19 crisis and we, we begin to question our faith and what is God doing in the world, we, we find ourselves disappointed and hurt. Maybe when the cancer isn't stopped or God doesn't provide that unemployment check we thought was coming. And instead of blaming God and thinking that there's something wrong with him, I wonder if we need to check our perception of who we think he is because he's not the issue. Our perception, our expectations are. Our expectations are limited. They are small. They are a narrow view of who Jesus is. People, God is not catfishing us. He's not trying to be something that he's not. He's just more than we ever imagined. When you peek behind the curtain of our own expectations, you don't find something disappointing. You find something greater than you ever imagined. Your expectation today might be that Jesus will protect you from getting hurt. And he may not but he will protect you from the eternal separation of God for all eternity. Man, that is something more. Your expectation might be that Jesus will fix your problems and he may not, but through his Holy Spirit dwelling within you, as you begin to question and you begin to pray and you spend time with him, you realize that he is fixing you that he is correcting things in you and convicting things in you and changing you so that in the midst of those crises, in the midst of those problems that you are facing, God is changing you. He's fixing you in that. That's something more. Your expectation might be that God is gonna bless you with prosperity. He may not, but he may and will bless you with his presence every single day, with his power, with his might. And he will provide for you in ways that you can never imagine. You see, Jesus isn't who you think he is. He is so much more. He is more. And what Israel failed to see during Palm Sunday and during that celebration, what they failed to see through their disappointment and hurt is that even while they sang and they were wrong about him, their expectations were that Jesus in that moment, was himself giving them him, loving them, and willing to go to the cross and give his life as a sacrifice for them. He rose from the dead, not just to conquer an empire, but to conquer death itself. He was glorified as king, not over Israel, but over eternity the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The scripture says that at his name, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. I don't know about you, where you find yourself disappointed today or hurt or angry. Maybe, maybe you're tuning in now and, and this is the first time you've kind of checked out our church or maybe you've been doing it for a while and you have some questions about Christianity. It doesn't match up with your expectations. Here's my challenge for you. Continue to seek, but not through your lens. Open up God's word. Maybe the challenge this week is to read one of the gospels. The gospel of Mark, second book of the New Testament. It's the shortest of the gospels, so it's the easier one to read, right? 
And as you read, begin to ask yourself, who is this Jesus? What are the images that I had of him that are wrong, that are flawed, that are limited? Is he really something more than what I had pictured? And allow God, open yourself up and allow God to speak to you and reveal himself to you. You might be young in the faith and your idea of Christianity and following Christ has been kind of shaken during this time. And you're struggling with this idea of faith and wondering if you got it wrong. Here's what I wanna challenge you to do. Pray, spend some time in solitude and ask God to reveal himself to you, to give you his peace and his hope for what lies ahead. That just like the disciples, you didn't picture it in the moment where you're at. Maybe you don't understand right now, but only after God reveals himself to you will you really know who he is. And for some of you, maybe you're more mature in the faith, but you've just been challenged by what you thought and what you imagined about who God is. Maybe it's time to just again sit in the quiet and allow God to bring comfort and change our limited views of who he is. Jesus isn't who you think he is. Man, he is so much more. He has more to offer you. I'm gonna close out the message today by asking you to watch a video. And as you listen to these words, I want you to close your eyes maybe. I know it's a video, but close your eyes. Listen to the words and remember that Jesus is more than you think he is. No other king could vanquish the war horse or silence the warrior's rage while riding the lowly back of a donkey. No other king could break the dominion of darkness, the tyranny of evil, with a reign of grace and a kingdom of peace. No other king could give his life for the redemption of rebels, his wealth to welcome the outcast. Jesus is that king, the king of glory, son of the living God. Not just another king, not just another prophet, not just another teacher. He was the one the world had been waiting for, the one to deliver us from captivity, the son of David and Abraham's chosen seed. He is the goal of the Mosaic law, Yahweh in the flesh. He is the one to establish God's reign and rule, to heal the sick, give sight to the blind, freedom to the prisoners, and proclaim good news to the poor. This Jesus was the creator come to earth and the beginning of a new creation. He embodied the covenant, fulfilled the commandments, and reversed the curse. This Jesus is the Christ that God spoke of to the serpent, the one prefigured to Noah in the flood, the one promised to Abraham, the one guaranteed to Moses before he died, the one promised to David during his reign, the one revealed to Isaiah as a suffering servant, the one predicted through the prophets and prepared for through John the Baptist. He is the Father's Son, Savior of the world, and substitute for our sins. More loving, more holy, and more wonderfully terrifying than we ever thought possible. He is our Jesus, and there is no other king like him. He is our God, our glory, our victorious Savior. There is no other king like him. 
Heavenly Father, we just, uh, we pray even now that those who are watching online uh, today and those who will be watching this week, Lord, that, uh, that you would meet them where they're at in their disappointment, their frustration, their hurt. God, not that, not that they need to be convicted or feel bad that they have a different view of who you are, but Lord, that we would understand that we as human beings, we were flawed and we often have a limited view of who you are. I pray that we would just allow ourselves to be opened up to something more and that you would reveal yourself to us in unique and in powerful ways this coming week, Lord. Help us to experience that peace and that hope and that joy, that security that we have in knowing you, even though we're going through difficult times. Lord, we love you and we know that because of what your son Jesus Christ has done for us, he loves us. We pray this in the name and in the power of Jesus. Amen.